0: Hello, and welcome to Life with Ed, the podcast. I'm Julia, your host, and I just want to say happy March. We made it month number three of 2019. This is uh, my second bonus episode. I have, again, uh, come across a topic I really want to talk to you about that won't fit into the biweekly interview-style podcast, so here we are, a little extra for your week Today, we're going to talk about something I think we're all probably too familiar with, and that is BMI, Body Mass Index, for anyone who doesn't know the acronym. As a nutrition major in college, a calculator is not an often-needed tool. Approximately once a semester, though, a professor would tell us, like, Remember your calculator, pack your calculator, you know, write it in your notebook, whatever you have to do. You need your calculator next class because we would be reviewing or if it was fundamentals of nutrition, we would be learning how to calculate BMI. I don't totally remember the first time I heard the term BMI, but I think it must have been in middle school or high school. I definitely, by sophomore year of high school, was calculating my own BMI and uh, didn't need <laughs> the refresher in um, nutrition classes in college. I was quite familiar with the fact that the supposed healthy range was 18.5 to 29.9, and if you were over 29.9, as in 30 or above, you were overweight, and if you were over 35 you were actually obese and then it like went on from there which I didn't know until college but obesity was actually classified in three categories and I think the the last one was there was definitely like obese class one class two class three and one of them or maybe just the last one was called morbid obesity which is a really horrifying term that we use to describe people, uh, just just to have bigger bodies. I, If I could go back to college uh, and all those classes and have every hour back that I sat in a classroom listening to why BMI was important, what it supposedly could tell us, and how to calculate it, I think I could have... Recorded at least like <laughs> at least a month's worth of these podcasts, but uh, probably even more. And I don't get that time back. I also don't get any of the time back I spent calculating patients' BMIs in my internship last year, and that was a lot of time like, so much time every single day calculating a patient's. BMI and deciding whether that meant they were underweight or normal weight or overweight or obese and whether that meant they got a normal amount of calories or we had to restrict their amount of calories that their meal provided. With all I've learned and come to realize since that time during my internship, it kind of makes me sad that so much effort every day is put into carefully deciding how many calories a patient in a hospital gets when We don't even really know if they're eating that. We don't really know how much they need. I mean, there's so much um, we don't know. And also a lot we do about what BMI does not mean. So uh, sorry for this stuffy nose again. (laughs) Constant winter cold. But I just want to step back and um, explain, you know, where BMI came from and how research has shown what it cannot tell us. BMI is a simple math formula kilograms over meters squared. So kilograms is your weight, and that's 2.2 pounds per one kilogram. And uh, meters is your height, so your height in meters squared. This math formula was developed in the 1830s by Lambert Adolf Jacks. This math formula was developed in the 1830s by Lambert Adolf Jacks Quadlet. He's got a lot of names. He also said, as a NPR article from like over 10 years ago points out, that the formula should never, ever be used to determine a person's level of fatness. And yet, here we are 10 years later, and most of us are still constantly concerned about our BMI and think of it as the best measure of our health. Like, health overall, not just our weight it doesn't measure your lean body mass or your fat tissue or anything. It's purely your weight and height as a ratio. It oversimplifies and it is meant to measure population. It's it was never intended to be a measure for an individual or to judge an individual. The purpose was to look at populations as a whole and a statistical measure to see, you know, how our population's size changing, and and it can correlate with health, but it is not a good or by no by any means <laughs> the best indicator of health, and and yet that's what so many of us uh, think of it as. In fact, if we want a measure of pure you know fatness of how big we are and if that's a problem or not, the best measure for that was. Proven um, in several different studies, but specifically in a 2007 study published in the European Heart Journal, it was demonstrated that waist circumference and a waist to height ratio were far better indicators of risk of heart disease and other complications than BMI. The most baffling thing to me about the fact that we use BMI to determine if someone is, you know, fat or overweight or obese or not is that it has. No bearing on on their fat content, um, like I think of it as like the square rectangle thing we talk about in elementary school all the time. A square is a rectangle, so if you know something's a square, you know it's a rectangle. But if a rectangle exists, you do not know it is a square. You can't assume every rectangle is a square, and the same goes for BMI. If you have a BMI of 30, it it doesn't mean you are fat whereas or have too much fat. If you have too much fat though, you likely will have a high BMI. But if you have a lot of muscle, you also will have a high BMI. So it's it doesn't work the other way. Like you know someone who is in a very large body, very muscular or has a lot of fat, has a high BMI but you do not know someone with a high BMI is you know overweight it's just the whole concept of overweight doesn't make sense and I think Beth Rosen she's a dietitian in Southbury Connecticut um, who I met recently at a conference says over what to wait all the time and I that could not ring more true for me. Like over what weight? Why are we comparing everyone who is 5'9 against, you know, a, the same weight? And I, I say 5'9 because I'm 5'9 and it really bothers me because there's a lot of people who are 5'9 like my brother, for instance. Um, and why should we be the same weight to both be healthy? It doesn't make any sense. I'm a girl and he's a boy. We're going to be different. There's also people who are 5'9 who have these tiny little bones. You could fit their wrist, you know, you could fit two of them, like where my wrist is. I have huge bones. Bones weigh something. So, you know, you have to think about them when you look at my weight. So you can't, you know, look at BMI, which is just a calculation of weight and height, and know that I have too much fat. Again, the NPR article, which I'll put a link to in the details for this podcast, did a really good job of explaining this phenomenon. They are talking about how when Quadalit developed BMI, the formula, most of the population as they are today were sedentary. So, you know, not a lot of muscle. But there's also a lot of people who are really active, and have a lot of muscle. Even if they have a sedentary job, uh, they might, you know, run or lift or or whatever in their spare time, or just naturally have a lot of muscle, and therefore weigh more. And the formula just simply does not work for someone like that. So how did we get here? How did we start using BMI to be the end-all be-all of weight measurements and, and fat measurements? It it comes from a study in 1972 called the Indices of Relative Weight and Obesity by Ansel Keys. And he was looking at all the different equations that had been developed to to measure, um, you know, body fat and, and size. And he was trying to see which really was the best um, in comparison, like correlated the best with true fat measurements of Of patients or of people, and he compared a bunch of them and found that BMI, as he renamed it, correlated the strongest. Large sigh. Another one. It's just it's frustrating because pre nineteen seventy two pre this study. You know, doctors were putting in the effort, medical professionals were putting in the effort to measure fat of a patient with other means instead of just jumping to conclusions that their weight versus height ratio or whatever was the reason that they needed to start dieting, start trying to lose weight, or that they were suddenly going to die and was the biggest health concern. They were trying, they were putting in the effort, they were trying to figure it out After this study, though, it was like, well, if this so simple way is almost the same, is is so similar in its effectiveness, then why wouldn't we use it? So they started. Insurance companies started, too. And studies, like research studies. So now you have medical professionals, research studies, And insurance companies basing so many major decisions off this incredibly simple number, which is not accurate. It's frustrating. (laughs) It's frustrating to have been taught in a method that put it on this pedestal of perfection and didn't explain this history. So I'm explaining it to you so that you can go forth. And if you are a medical professional, you know, maybe stop using it as the only measure or most important measure of health. Maybe tell your colleagues to stop as well. And if you're just a regular person, you know, next time you go to the doctors and they're like, well, your BMI is blah, blah, blah. Just say, well, Are there any other indicators that my, you know, heart is at risk or whatever organ or body system they're worried about is at risk? If there are, okay, take some actions. But if they're just concerned, as they are for me all the time, that my BMI is too high, even though I have no other indicators of a health concern, then, you know, tune them out, (laughs) move on, (laughs) focus on something more important like Actually eating vegetables and, and exercising instead of just your weight. Okay, that's uh, a wrap for bonus episode number two. That's uh, my rant, I guess. <laughs> Rant-like episode. So I hope you learn something. I hope you all go forward and, and maybe things will change in the next couple of years. Look out for episode number four next Monday. It's with Amy Dunham, who is the registered dietitian at UConn, who oversees all of nutrition services for the campus. She's amazing. Uh, She has so much to say about eating disorders on the college campus. So check back in next Monday. And if you are in Connecticut, my next event is this coming Saturday, March 9th at 1 p.m. at the Glastonbury Library. So if you have little kids and uh, maybe they're picky eaters, come join me, learn something, and, and eat some food. Have an awesome week, everyone.